I'm McLean, and this is Max Film Corner. For this episode, we're talking about the movie Whiplash. I'm here with my good friend Charlie, who is a jazz musician himself. And would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Charlie. Um, yeah, I played jazz in middle school and high school, um, and I sang jazz in college. And um, I don't do it anymore, but I would like to keep doing it sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing we're going to talk about is the cinematography in the film. Um, the main thing I want to talk about is how the cinematography is used to elevate not only, like, the soundtrack, but just, like, the whole tone of the film in general. It's a very fast-paced movie, um, and I think that those things are definitely pretty linked within that. Um, a good example of that is the, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the kind of shot, but when they completely turn the camera 180 degrees and it gives it the, um, motion blur effect, uh, it's a great way to juxtapose those two characters um miles teller and jk simmons especially in the final scene um do you have anything to add on that um i don't know much about cinematography so not much but i did like the way it was shot and i felt like it definitely added the emotion and it gave a really good effect to um what the movie wanted to portray um yeah also like the lighting in the film it I feel like it always kind of set set the mood really well. Even even within the first scene, it's a pretty dark movie, mm-hmm. just lighting-wise. Um, there's also a lot of, like, yellow tones to it. Um, but that first shot, when it's just a tracking shot, zooming in on uh, oh, yeah, Miles' character. Video. Yeah, yeah um, it's very dark. A lot of the movie is that way. I think it's kind of to bring us into Miles' headspace. Um but I don't know why Chazelle went with that. I would think that he would change the performances to be especially bright. But even in like some of the performing scenes, it's still pretty muted. Towards the end of the final performance, you kind of start to see the colors flare. Yeah. But that's I, really the only time. That might have been why he chose to do that. I think it was honestly like to focus on on Miles Teller himself. And, like, focus on, like, his mood kind of throughout the movie mm-hmm. and, like, how he was feeling and what... Like, he was kind of by himself most of the time. And, yeah. like, he was doing his own thing. And and so I think that really helped bring the mood out. I mean, even with the girlfriend character, sometimes when you see the two of them together, it would get lighter, like, in the pizza shop, their first uh, yeah. scene together. But he was never, like, really there yeah he was always somewhere else you know those were more like casual like casual places where like at the at the pizza shop and then um later on in the movie um when he ended up breaking up with her um and then a good scene oh my goodness um it's dialogue (laughs) yeah it it, it was pretty awkward um (laughs) and then i think also like um or, I mean, it was brighter when he was, like, renting a car and, like, trying to, like, get to the place, but... That could have just been... That was, like, that a casu- could have been related to the, and, like... That could have been related to the anxiety of the film. It was, yeah. Especially the pacing in that scene, the way that he uses the clock. Um, a lot of it is very fast-paced in that moment, so I think the brighter lighting almost made sense because he was very, like, yeah, hyper-focused. Um, Chazelle's really good across a lot of his films. In La La Land, it's a super bright movie. The color mm-hmm. correction in that film is insane. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's good on cinematography. It's it's a really, really well shot film, but yeah. I mean, all of Chazelle's films are very well well made in that way. Um, I'd like to go into, like, your insights from a jazz musician. Like, a lot of the time... You you were you knew when he was rushing and dragging. I remember that. That was really cool. Um, you want to just talk more about moments like that that you experienced? Um, the I think the aspect of trying to get everything perfect um, makes a lot of sense. Um, but I do think that like the attitude of J.K. Simmons' character um, was a little bit like overboard and like maybe blown out of proportion um but but i don't think that was the point of his performance i think that was just to or we'll get into that later yeah. but um my perspective from it there is like in a jazz band or even like a jazz choir in any setting like that if one person or every single person makes one mistake in a song it doesn't sound good at all and so and then even, like, rushing and dragging, especially for a drummer. The drummer holds the band together for the most part mm-hmm. and, like, keeps the time and keeps everything, keeps everyone in the, on the same page. The basis so, also, especially in the film. A lot well, of the songs the that they section, chose. Yeah, yeah. The piano, bass, drums, guitar, if there is one. I love the um, the bass in the song Upswinging, the dum ba dum boom yeah it's really good um i i can't stop listening to the soundtrack of this movie i've always yeah. loved it so much it's so good um yeah but that's i mean being being perfect in music is really important um and so i think that was that was portrayed pretty well that like and like even in jazz band in high school if we would play, we would play two measures. We never got through a, an entire song unless we played it perfectly. We would play like three measures of something, and sometimes certain sections would just be sitting there not doing anything for thirty minutes because they'd be working on one person or one section at a time, saying, "Okay, we're getting this perfect. Don't mess it up." And then every time you do mess it up, we're stopping and going back to the beginning and trying again because. It's realistically it's how it is and it's repetition and it's getting it right every time is the only way that you're going to get it right in a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that I thought was super, super, super cool is that you'd been to so many of the places oh, yeah. in the movie. Lincoln Center was obviously the big one that you've been to, but that what I thought was way cooler was that you'd been to that one random jazz club, the jazz club. where they have the... Um, the really, really pivotal scene between um, mm-hmm. Miles and J.K. Simmons. Yeah. yeah you've been there. That yeah, was, that was so really cool. I, cool. It was cool to see that in the movie and then be like, oh, I've been there. And then, like, I've performed at Lincoln Center in the uh, Mount Sai High School Jazz Band. Um, and that was a really fantastic experience. And also seeing uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra live there was also absolutely incredible well a lot of the characters in the film have the goal of being a performer at lincoln center like one of one of uh sean casey the guy who died from fletcher he was the first trumpet at lincoln center yeah yeah and like yeah but that jazz club um it's just like this little 
like, I mean, everywhere in New York's pretty much a hole in the wall, but it's like a, it's a hole in the wall place. You go like down these stairs and then it's just like, it's not even like a big like room, but it's more like, it's just like a long court, like a hallway almost with like, I think the kitchen and the bar on the, like the right side. And then you have some like high up tables on the left and then you get into the actual like, um, stage area and that's still like it's a really small jazz club but they have tons of them in new york and they're all like super unique and interesting and, and yeah but seeing that in the movie was awesome yeah that's so it's so random that of all the places you could have chose of course you'd yeah been right? there i thought that was so cool um do you want to get into the message or do you want to start out with um more on how rough the jazz scene is in the movie uh, let's talk about how rough it is. Okay, yeah. Um, so, compared to real life and compared to the film, like, the film was pretty over the top. But also, I don't have any experience at a, like, top-of-the-line performing arts school, you know, like uh, like Juilliard, which is, I'm pretty sure that's Schaefer. what... He that's, went to that's what, Yeah, Schaefer's not... I looked it up, and, it, and Schaefer's not a real university, but uh, a lot of people believe that he based it off of Juilliard. Oh, okay, okay. Which is I didn't in, even know that. Yeah. Um, so, stuff like that, like, I've never been in that kind of scene, but being in my high school jazz band and still being one of the top um, jazz bands in the country at the time, like, high school jazz bands in the country at the time, um, definitely you have to work hard and the the directors do not put up with anything like like if you're not if you're not performing they'll they can they'll straight up kick you out and they'll replace you with someone who's doing better and unfortunately like mount side didn't have a very huge selection of of people who wanted to be in jazz and um and i'll get into how that's kind of kind of sad and they do mention that in the movie later that like, jazz is dying that jazz is dying and yeah. people don't want to do it um Chazelle but, mentions that across yeah. all of his movies it, it it's of great concern to a lot of people um yeah. but yeah one thing that I have heard from talking to like professional musicians and like not even jazz musicians just professional like instrumentalists um like at uh band retreats whatever um we would we would listen to the our uh, guest directors and they would tell us that they would take private lessons like one private lesson from a very very like prestigious um instrumentalist of whatever instrument they're playing and they go in there and they leave like these are grown adults and they'll leave like crying or they'll leave thinking that like you know that they're way worse than they thought they were because because realistically these these people want you to be the best you can be and the only way you're going to get there is by putting your life into it almost um and so i think that was portrayed pretty well in the film um it's not as intense in real life as it is in the film but it still can get there like people like great musicians will tell you your flaws without hesitation and they will push you to your limits and they'll and they'll like make you feel bad for not doing what you're supposed to be doing to get to reach your own goals and which is a huge like life lesson and a lesson in anything that you want to achieve so 
Yeah, I I don't think that the level of aggression that Simmons' character showed was actually... It wasn't accurate. In, in de- indicative of what it would actually be like no. fully, but I, I think maybe at high level you get a little yeah, bit of that. Like a, a little bit of that, I of mean, course, I know, but... Um, I know that they'll... Like, uh, our directors have told us, like, in a band like Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, if you show up and you don't know your music, they will tell you to never come back. We've heard about, we like, I've heard about people going to be a professional, and they go to this professional band, and when you're in a professional band, like, a lot of these people don't really know each other, it's kind of just, like, a random mix of people that are just really good, and they they know how to listen and they know how to work well with others. But if one person isn't pulling their weight and isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, they'll kick them out and they'll be mean about it too. Like I've heard about, um, famous jazz musicians who lead bands. Like they aren't, they're ruthless. They won't, they won't put up with anything. So, but I don't, I do not believe it's to the level of Simmons character. Would you agree that, um, Simmons' character makes a comment in the film that um, the people who are watching at Lincoln Center at one of the performances, they just don't forget. And that's why you're not meant to mess up, because you might you might lose your shot entirely. Do you think that that I, is indicative of real life? I think so. Um, obviously, I don't have any experience but with that, but in my opinion, yes. Um, because to me, it's kind of like... Um, if you're going to be a political figure. Yeah. If you're going to be a political figure, everything you've done, or even if you're getting a job, everything you post on social media, everything you've ever done, that job knows about it. Mm-hmm. Everything you've ever done, if you become famous as an actor or writer, whatever, everyone will know about it if it's public or whatever, you know. And so I think that's, um, I think that's true in that situation. Because, like, those people are, they're looking for you. They're, and, like, especially if there's a group of 16 people on a stage in front of thousands of other people. And then 50 out of a thousand, of those thousand people, like, are world-class musicians. And they're looking for people to put in their bands. And they're looking to improve everything that they have. Yeah, they're definitely going to remember you, regardless of if you mess up or not. Like, if you mess up, they'll be like, okay, I don't, like, that person messed up in a, in a huge performance. But, so that's not the type of person I want in my band. So, I definitely think that's true. And, I, yeah, I think a lot of the points they made in that movie were um, pretty evident of what it's like in real life. Um, yeah, just one of the biggest things was the aggression that J.K. Simmons portrayed. But, you know, that, I mean, there's thousands of different bands and places out there that expect a lot of people. And who knows if there is someone like that, you know? Yeah. Um, one one line of dialogue that was cut from the movie, or not cut from the movie, but um, it was in the screenplay, but it wasn't said. It was um, in, the, in that jazz club that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Simmons' character... He's, uh, oh man. We might have to get back to that. I just blinked. Um, okay. but yeah, uh, it kind of tied in to the message of the film. Uh, overall it was, it was right next to the, um, 
the statement that Simmons made when he said um, the most harmful words in the English language are good job, which kind of ties in to what you're... Oh, I remember now. He um, said that the reason why he was being so aggressive is because those people who aren't quite as talented, um, they are the worst now, but if the worst are going to surpass the people who are the best, they need some sort of drive. So it goes back into that. If the reason why Joe Jones threw a symbol at Charlie Parker's head, he was going to wake up the next day and practice and practice and practice. Um, So I think all of those things kind of tie into each other. The aggression is just to propulse the drive. Um, And that, that cycle with someone who already had that kind of drive from the pretty much from the get-go, is just going to push him to yeah. even higher heights. I think so I kind of want to... It's almost like, it, did Simmons do the right thing? Because I don't think that Miles Teller would have been as good as he was if he didn't do that. He, w- he wouldn't have had that same kind of performance at yeah. the end. It wouldn't have been the same payoff. I think, um, yeah, I was going to... I said I was going to say I want to I go back to to that what he was talking or his aggression mm-hmm. um the fact that joe jones did throw a symbol at charlie parker's head kind of i feel like um when jazz was like really prominent and when all these when all the greats were alive and and playing and stuff like that and like some of them are still yeah um but like people like that um i feel like the aggression probably was there because I don't know if it was because it needed still to be nearly as the pool intense. Was so much bigger. Yeah, but like you have like at that point there was competition. Like you, you had to really, really push. Otherwise, someone was someone else was going to get there first. And I still think that can be the case today. Um, but I think the world is changing, and yeah, that's just I mean, not we, how people want to treat other people, even if even if it means that, but, um, or even if it means getting them to a better place. But I also feel like, um, like he could have gotten the same point across with less aggression. I can, I don't know. I just don't know if it would have been quite as effective. Um, yeah, maybe not, but I mean, I think one of the biggest reasons that Miles Teller's character went went and practiced so hard after hearing all those things and seeing all those things was, I don't know if it was necessarily because he just pissed him off to the point, uh, J.K. Simmons pissed him off to the point where where he was like, okay, I need to show this guy what's up. Well, Simmons does think, say in the club that he... Um, what were you saying? Sorry, I didn't mean to It's okay. Um, I was just saying that I think that he could have had the same effect without being as intense. Like, it's really hard because I do see the point in being that intense. And I do see the um, the effect that can have on someone who has the drive to keep going and keep doing what they want to do because they want to be great at it and they want to be one of the best people alive to ever to ever perform like that. And so I think he makes a very good point when he says the reason I when J.K. Simmons says the reason I did that was or the the reason he did all those things was because 
only the people who... Um, he says got, the next Charlie Parker would never get yeah, discouraged. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Only the people who would get, get to that point wouldn't get discouraged by what he was doing. And I don't think it like, necessarily needed to be that intense just because there was a lot of, like... There was a lot of unnecessary um, put-downs and unnecessary um, aggression. He really went against the mom thing. He really went against the... It's oh, mom yeah. leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like he, he played to his emotions and he played to his history and, and like got in his head basically, mm-hmm. which from, from how the character that Miles Teller played was, was portrayed. I feel like he already had, he had the drive in him. And I think one of the biggest things, this is what I was trying to get to. Sorry. The, one of the biggest things that really pushed him was the fact that he got, he got put on to play as a core player and then almost immediately got taken off. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that is the biggest thing that pushed him. Really? I never even considered Not, not that necessarily the, the biggest, biggest thing, but one, one, of, of the biggest. one of the hugest things. Because he gets put into that position and then like almost immediately gets taken away from it. And then he... Um, and then he goes and he just, he practices super hard. And I think it is, there is something to say about, like, getting him riled up and getting him pissed off and making him, making him, like, forcing him to be so angry and so passionate about one specific thing that he, that's all he focused on. So I think that's, that's something that made sense about the aggression and the way he treated him. But I honestly, I don't know if it was all absolutely necessary just cause it was, it was super like, I feel like it was super harmful to his mental health. Um, yeah. So in that, I think that there are two, two statements slash scenes in the movie that really embody the message. Um, the first one uh, I'm not sure which scene came first. Uh, the one I really want to talk about is when J.K. Simmons said that the most harmful words in the English language are good job. Um, and then the other one is the dinner table scene when Miles says that he'd rather die drunk and full of heroin at 34 and have people at a dinner oh, table yeah. talk about him or l- rather than live to be 90 and sober and no one remember who he was. Yeah. Um, because personally, I totally agree with the principles um given what i want to do but i see how that is overly radical i'm not i'm not saying that actually telling someone good job is all that harmful uh, but, but I, the principle of it is totally there i think you can read the context from that whole conversation um because when you put your entire heart and soul into something and someone comes up to you and says Good job. It almost sounds like pity to me. Especially a lot of musicians at that level and just people in general who are that rough on themselves creatively, they don't. They're their biggest critic. They're yeah. their, they're their own but, biggest critic. Like hearing someone say good job in a in a in that context where you where exactly where you put everything you have into into something because you love it and you want to be great at it. I think anything, anything less than good job is, 
is hardly satisfying and it it hurts it probably hurts a lot to hear that because i don't know i mean imagine imagine being an artist and taking like days and months to like paint something crazy and it's like and you're like a millionaire and it's like like worth millions of dollars or whatever like that and then your mom says good job instead of like you know like i don't know it to me it just sounds like pity almost mm-hmm. for me i think the idea of saying that is just that you should never be satisfied you should never be satisfied with the skill level you have. There's always somewhere further that you can push. You can always be better. You can always be, yeah. you can always further excel in your field. That's a huge thing in, um, in uh, music. That, never being satisfied. That we've learned. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's always room to improve. And yeah. that's the same thing as like if you have a job or what, or whatever. Like you're never going to be the best. No mm-hmm. one's the best. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist. I so think, I I honestly think everyone has room for improvement in any context. I think someone could watch this movie and take it that radically and be like, oh, so the, the way to success is this radical. Where I don't think it's necessary it's necessarily quite that extreme, but there is, there is a lot of that. I think it, it really it really is it really is that. It really is doing it when you don't want to do it. Unless you're struck by by luck, then that is really the only way. The only way to get to a point like that is to have the drive and the and the will to push yourself beyond your limits. Two great pieces of advice I've got um, about this. Uh, people like this is one, if you're going to enter a field like film or music, um, make sure that there is nothing else that you want to do. You should only do it if it is literally the only thing you can see yourself doing it. Um, I think that makes sense. we've talked about that before. And with that, um, also, if you're working in a creative space especially, the worst thing you can ever do is have a plan B because you're bound to fall back on it at some point. I think that makes sense. And that doesn't mean not being flexible with your career and flexible about where it could go, but it more so means being unrelenting in your drive on that path. Well, just the fact that you've like set up, set up an alternate plan, because I think it's the idea that if you've set up that alternate plan, you're already, you're already planning on failing (laughs) at some point. Failure is in your head. You don't have the idea that you're, going to try until you die you have the idea that you're gonna keep trying until you get sick of it yeah or that or that something's gonna stop you Mm. and realistically if you are if you do have the drive and if you do want to be like one of the best nothing should stop you and And of course there are exceptions but i think i think if you look at your best filmmakers your best artists Mm -hmm. of all time you're you're gonna see a lot of people like that and yeah. these people put in put in the work and they don't have backup plan. They mm-hmm. like a lot of these people live in their friends live on their friends' couch while they're starting up because that's the only option they have. They only have that one path mm-hmm. to take because they have set themselves up for success. Mm-hmm. And they've set themselves up to only do that one thing. Yeah.
I think that's a pretty good place to end it unless you have any other final notes. What do you what do you think about it? What would you rate it out of five? Out of five? Yeah, out of five. You can use half stars if you want. Um well just since I don't know like anything about cinema cinematography and I'm pacing and just film film like, aspects. I, and I stuff. like a lot of movies just just because I'm entertained easily, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um uh I don't know. I would have to say like I would have to say a four and a half. Mm-hmm. I think just because of uh the purpose of like accuracy mm-hmm. and um granted again I don't know exactly how it is, but even then, being a person in jazz, I had a much different perspective watching this movie than someone who hasn't done jazz or someone who just wanted to go see this movie because it just came out, you know, or someone who doesn't um, appreciate film as much, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like... It's a movie about jazz, but really it's a movie about what it takes to be the best. Yeah. And what you're willing to sacrifice. And I, I I think like if you aren't involved if if you weren't involved in jazz or in a field where you do have to put in it all put your all into it to become the best, then understanding the movie is gonna be a lot harder mm-hmm. and you may not think it's good. Giselle likes to make movies for the dreamers. La La Land is also very much yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I gave it a five because it's my favorite movie. But yeah. um, the pacing in it is basically perfect. There's never a scene in it that I never I want to be over. I was never bored. Never bored. Movie, never yeah. bored the entire movie, which is very rare for me. Yeah, I had a good time um, watching it. it yeah, I, a lot of movies bore me. Um, I think for one that comes down to the cinematography, Chazelle always keeps it interesting. Um, t- but mainly it's the pacing and the way he structured his movie. Everything is airtight. He cut anything that didn't absolutely need to be there. I felt like there's not a scene in the movie where I'm just like, oh, what, but what's next? I, w- I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see what's next. I'm always there I, for whatever's happening. I think the ending was unsatisfying almost. It was it was kind of satisfying. Just because he, um... Did you want to see what happened after? Is that why? Yeah. I just wanted to see... The recording stopped. Now we're just going to be continuing on our reviews. Um, we were talking about... The ending. The ending. Yeah. So, Um, I I was talking about how, um... I, I liked how it ended, but I wasn't completely satisfied. Um, just because... Obviously, like, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way about movies and stuff it's like you want to see you want to see what happens and you want to see what like what the result of what happened is um i and it's not like i wanted to see you know like him become a famous drummer or whatever and get recruited or whatever you know i just wanted to see um i kind of wanted to see the reaction from one from the audience and I wanted to see the interaction that JK Simmons and um Miles would have um afterwards because at the beginning of the song JK Simmons 
was like telling him he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you for this like because he started playing in the middle of him talking and then cued the band in and everything and like and totally like stole the show pretty mm-hmm. much um but oh that's something else I wanted to talk about that was really cool um but he I wish there was some sort of interaction between because throughout the song towards the end J.K. Simmons is like going up to him and he's he's into it like very visibly into it and he's like he even fixes his symbol yeah he like fixes his symbol for him because he knocked it down he hit it too hard and then he like he's like telling him to like he's like getting him quieter and then building him up again and like and just being very visual with him and i so it's very obvious that he um it was almost his plan the whole time yeah no and that that is a huge thing too I think that he was constantly pushing him. Uh, J.K. Simmons was constantly pushing Miles to to the point where he he overstepped him. Uh, Miles overstepped J.K. because he was so driven and so determined to to have what he wanted from that and and get it how he liked it. Um, that he didn't care what risk he had to take. He didn't care what, um, what other people were going to think when he just walked out on stage and started playing, you know, at, at, uh, Carnegie Hall in front of all these people, you know, like, um, it was just like super bizarre. Um, and I, I don't know if it was necessarily like his plan the whole time, but I think, Miles's character got to the point where, like, during that performance, where J.K. Simmons' character was like, yes, this is it. This is, this is what I've been looking for. This is the type of person I've been looking for. Someone who doesn't care what I have to say about them, and someone that will, someone that basically yelled back at him. He yelled at him. He took over. He, he went into his office when he was on the phone and was like, I am playing this. I know it. He did not back down. He didn't do what he was told. He did he did what he wanted to do because he wanted it so bad. And I think the the push against the two characters was or like the push back and forth between the two characters um was was like oh my gosh. Almost necessary. Yeah, it was necessary. Um, sorry, I just can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of. But anyways, I think just like seeing the point of it, of how hard that J.K. Simmons pushed him. And then I think that his realization of Miles being the next big thing, you know, was that he pushed back and no one else did. No one else pushed back. Everyone was scared and timid and didn't know what they were like. They just listened. All they did was they just wanted to listen to what they didn't do what they're told because that was going to get them there. But I think the fact that he pushed so hard for what he wanted and he pushed back against uh, all opposition was what really um, made him be the best. So about your thoughts on the ending. I think the ending is incredible for a lot of the same reasons why you don't like it. 
Um, I don't, I don't hate it. No, like I no, like it a lot. I, I know you like <laughs> it, but the the aspect of it that you didn't like, because yeah. I think a movie, a, a movie's ending should leave an audience wanting more. Well, yeah, I, I think leaving with questions is okay, um, but even more so, I think the reason why it ended there and the reason why it needed to end there is Chazelle said everything he needed to say about the message. Yeah, and I think um, if you if you were paying attention and you kind of got... I felt like I got what I wanted out of it, and I understood what happened, mm-hmm. and I kind of... And I can assume what their interaction would be at the end of the movie, but, you know, like, I just... I would have liked I to think, see it. I but think like that's, even, that's the reason why it wasn't there is because you could have yeah. seen it. Yeah. But even not even just a reaction like off stage, literally like a brief reaction after they end the song and like, like, I don't know, just something where like you see them interact visually or not even verbally, you know, I don't know, something like that. But I'm also I glad they didn't because the movie ends in a very circular way. It starts with a tracking shot on Miles playing drums, and it ends with Miles finishing his performance. Yeah, that makes I th- sense. I think that's a great I didn't aspect even think of about it. it. Like that, um, but I also cinematography's not my thing. So yeah, um, <laughs> but that, yeah, I mean, this that just kind of goes into the structure of the film and how he kind of layers things on top of each other and builds Miles up. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Overall, just. An incredible film, in my opinion. Um, my favorite from Chazelle, I don't know if I would consider it better than La La Land or not. They're both very close to perfect movies. Um, I liked it more, but... Yeah, I, I also liked it more. I'm not a huge musical guy, but... Um. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually kind of bored during La La Land, but... Really? Really? <laughs> yeah, um, but... I never got there, like... Some of the songs weren't as much my thing, but I could still appreciate how well shot they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's about it. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, follow me on Spotify or follow me on anchor and that's all. Thank you for listening.